Chapter Seventeen of the Girls of Friendly Terrace by Harriet Loomis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen Elaine Upsets Tradition. Winter, as a rule, seems long to people in trouble. That year, Elaine Marshall found it endless. The steady cold that set in early in January seemed to her relentless, almost vindictive. It was vain to tell herself that spring would return as always, that the branches of the willows by the river would become clouds of misty green, that violets would start in the woods beyond, and the strips of lawn along the terrace would take on the hue of spring. Intellectually she knew all this to be true, but in her heart was the hopeless conviction that this winter would last forever. Elaine was having a hard time, and the hardest part of it all was that, however far she looked ahead, she could see no prospect of relief. Mrs. Marshall's economy was of the inconsistent sort, noticeable in people who late in life have begun to realize the value of money. She scrimped over the pennies, and then threw away dollars for something which even to Elaine's inexperience was plainly not indispensable. Things counted up incredibly. There was the coal bill, for example. Mrs. Marshall had said at first that the dealer must have made a mistake, and then that he evidently gave short measure. And, finally, she had looked at her daughter with eyes half-frightened. "'We can't freeze, Elaine.' "'No, we've got to keep warm,' the girl returned. But her voice was absent. She was mentally calculating how far their yearly income would stretch at this rate, and the thought of the weeks for which there would be no provision rushed over her with sickening dismay. She took up her embroidery and fell to work. Since filling Mrs. Summerfield Eli's first order, Elaine had received several others from that lady and her friends. She had outgrown her early foolish humiliation over the idea of doing such work for pay. Mrs. Eli treated her with as scrupulous a courtesy as she would have showed any other girl, and gave her work the praise which to the conscientious is always the best of the rewards of toil. At the same time, Elaine's judgment, sharpened by necessity, was grasping the fact that this dainty work, well enough to fill in the leisure minutes, was a very poor dependence when the bread-and-butter problem was under consideration. Peggy came in upon her one afternoon when the dreariness of the gray winter sky seemed to Elaine an inadequate symbol of her own somber mood. Peggy's arrival was like a rift in the clouds, letting the blue shine through, a real sunbeam visitation. Smiles were not easy for Elaine these days, but her face did brighten noticeably at the sight of Peggy. "'You don't mind if I keep on, I know,' she said, as Peggy took the nearest chair. "'Mrs. Laughlin is in a hurry for this.' "'I don't mind your keeping on as far as I'm concerned,' Peggy replied, viewing her narrowly. "'But I do mind the way you're squinting over that embroidery. What's the matter? Are your eyes hurting you?' Elaine let the embroidery fall, closing her eyes and further protecting them by a sheltering hand. "'Hurt?' she repeated. "'I should think so.' "'What's the matter?' "'Too much close work, I suppose. I've kept at it till late two or three nights this week.' "'It isn't going to pay you.' warned Peggy, to ruin your eyes for what you can make out of embroidery. It doesn't pay anyway, sighed Elaine. You wouldn't believe how many hours it takes me to earn ten dollars. She had given herself as long a recess as she dared, and she fell to work again, her eyes blinking and suffused with moisture, as if reluctant to reassume their duties. Peggy's silence was usually prolonged. I had a new experience this week, she remarked casually at last. I had a job offered me and refused it. A job? exclaimed Elaine with interest. "'A job?' echoed Mrs. Marshall, her tone indicating horror. 
there was a startling vulgarity about the term she reflected young ladies might have employment though occupation was still better but to get a job was not to be thought of she shuddered in my uncle john's office peggy explained he's a real estate dealer you know and he's especially interested in the new suburb they're opening up lakeview they call it he thinks there's quite an opening in that work for women and he painted the prospects in such dazzling colors that i really hated to say no why did you say it then asked elaine her manner proving that the inquiry was by no means perfunctory mrs marshall uttered an exclamation apparently indicating that the reason was self-evident oh i wouldn't stop before i finished high school for anything and uncle john wants somebody right away if the chance had come after i had graduated i'd have jumped at it for i've got to earn some money before i go to college elaine folded her work deliberately and laid it on the table she set her thimble atop with particular care that it should be exactly in the centre of the pile then she looked hard at peggy what about me elaine demanded abruptly do you think he'd consider me elaine gasped mrs marshall but peggy overjoyed that the fish had risen so readily to the bait failed to notice the horrified protest of the mother's tone would you really take such a position elaine she cried why i should think you'd have the best chance in the world and uncle john would be such a splendid person to work for he's a fine business man everybody says but not the petrified sort he's kind and interested and ready to make allowances elaine said mrs marshall breaking in on peggy's eulogy this time it was impossible to ignore the tone in which she spoke her daughter's name it was like the crack of a whip both girls looked at her poor mrs marshall sat very straight her thin cheeks aflame her expression betokened a conflict between incredulous anger and hurt pride elaine you must be taking leave of your senses what would your grandfather have said at the idea of one of his blood mrs marshall hesitated then evidently concluded that only the objectionable commercial term peggy had made use of was equal to the occasion of one of his descendants getting a job in a real estate office i think grandfather would probably have said that circumstances alter cases replied elaine promptly not having had the pleasure of the acquaintance of mrs marshall's late father peggy was unable to surmise what that old gentleman's attitude would have been under such conditions but she hastened to suggest lots of awfully nice girls go into business offices nowadays mrs marshall elaine was in a reckless mood i don't know as it matters what other girls do it's a question of what i've got to do we can't sit here and starve just because grandfather was rich elaine cried mrs marshall with a horror which was at least sincere to acknowledge even to peggy the pressing character of their need seemed to the poor lady a shocking piece of indelicacy her weak chin quivered as she struggled with her emotions peggy possessed enough of the divine art of putting herself in another's place to realize that the consternation so absurd from her standpoint was justified by those views of life to which mrs marshall had always adhered she racked her head for something which would soften the blow if elaine is going to work anywhere mrs marshall she couldn't be in a better place than uncle john's office he'd be good to anybody but of course he'd be especially interested in elaine as long as she's a friend of mine young people nowadays quavered mrs marshall her sense of injury goading her to injustice are not sufficiently mindful of what they owe the family name elaine's flippant laugh jarred peggy's sense of propriety she looked at her reproachfully but elaine would not meet her eye i suppose that's because we have to think what we owe ourselves she suggested airily clothes and something to eat to say nothing of car fare 
and don't you think asked peggy hurling herself into the breach that a girl who does hard things when she has to and keeps brave and plucky about it is a credit to any family seems to me that her ancestors whoever they are would have reason to be proud of her there was a clarion ring in peggy's voice mrs marshall looked at her doubtfully surprised that enthusiasm could be kindled over what to her mind was a disgrace but elaine's expression betrayed a sense of guilt don't try to make a heroine of me peggy she protested i'm not brave nor plucky nor anything of the kind it's only that i've got to have the money if you think there's any chance let's go to see your uncle right away before he gets anybody else the process of bringing mrs marshall to agree to the suggestion occupied some time suspecting the weakness of her arguments the poor lady fell back on tears and reminiscences the two girls listened to detailed accounts of the lavish expenditure that had prevailed in her father's household the big dinners the imported gowns the liveried coachman and to think my child should be getting a job wailed mrs marshall oh what would poor papa have said it was not so much perhaps that the girl's arguments finally had effect as that the violence of her emotion had reduced her to the point of exhaustion which accounted for the fact that elaine and peggy were at last allowed to depart on their errand without protest peggy's uncle mr john mannering was a big gray-haired man with eyes that twinkled boyishly and a voice that could be kind or commanding or both in one on occasion he asked elaine a few questions which had the result of making her feel hopelessly ignorant and incompetent and then sat considering her with a closeness of attention whose curious impersonality resulted in relieving elaine from all feeling of embarrassment he's sizing me up she thought and sat waiting without much hope of a favorable verdict the atmosphere of the real estate office was like a different world from any to which elaine had been accustomed the maps upon the wall the business-like click of the typewriter the phrases which she caught as people came and went all were calculated to make her feel how little her life had prepared her for fitting into so methodical a system of activity mr mannering turned abruptly to his niece well peggy he exclaimed with the smile which was conclusive proof that as peggy put it he was not petrified do i understand that you stand sponsor for this young woman yes sir returned peggy without troubling herself to inquire into his exact meaning you'll vouch for her being efficient courageous obliging industrious quick to learn slow to forget and above all a sticker yes sir said peggy without blinking it was elaine who uttered a little protesting gasp and looked frightened well i'll take your word for her you can be on hand in the morning i suppose he added looking at elaine like one in a dream elaine heard herself concluding the arrangements for her plunge she listened to the outlining of her duties without any clear idea of what was said agreed to the amount of her salary without knowing whether it was more or less than she had hoped and finally found herself outside with peggy in the dazed uncertain mood of one who is not quite sure whether she has been dreaming or not isn't it glorious peggy's enthusiastic comment sounded wide awake enough at all events you're a wage earner elaine doesn't that sound imposing don't you think uncle john's a dear i'm coming down some afternoon when i haven't anything to do and look at all those blueprints there's something awfully fascinating in the things you don't know anything about elaine reflected that in this case she was likely to find untold fascination in her new occupation her answers to peggy's cheerful chatter were rather vague now that she had taken the final step her courage was ebbing her mother's warnings which she had brushed aside with a sense of irritation when they were spoken 
sounded in her ears with monotonous insistence after her reckless mood of the afternoon had come the inevitable reaction of tremulous cowardice why had she ever done it what had made her suppose herself qualified for such a position how was she ever going to bear it if this was her mood when sustained by the cheerful companionship of peggy it was worse after they had said good-night mrs marshall had received the news of her daughter's prospective advent into business life with a burst of tears after which she had refused to partake of the evening meal and had retired to her room elaine herself had choked down her food with difficulty and went to bed at last with the firm conviction that dreams of the night however unpleasant could be no worse than the nightmare of her waking hours she was not quite clear as to whether she had already disgraced the family name by the work she had chosen or merely was about to disgrace it by proving her woeful inefficiency whichever was true she could see nothing but blackness ahead and as she tossed on her pillow flushed and wakeful she wished though vainly for the relief of tears end of chapter seventeen